This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here, Stuart. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Doing good. Feeling good. That's what we're doing here. Listen, we love kicking off this conversation whenever we get to have it by asking, what was it like growing up for you? Were you part of a family of entrepreneurs or what did the work-life balance and responsibilities look like? Like, What kind of work examples did you have growing up? My father was a cardiologist who was never there, never paid attention to me. My mother was caught in her resentment of that. It wasn't a very interesting lifetime. But in a sense, since he had his own practice, he was an entrepreneur. I see. Now, I had Asperger's disease, still do. And that meant I couldn't connect with anybody. So it was a very weird childhood. Wow. I see. And so with that happening as you're growing up, how did that inform your decisions for your professional life? Like what, what ran through your mind is these are going to be my options. This is what I'm going to do. Didn't work out that way. You see, I couldn't learn from anybody. I couldn't connect to teachers or any. I didn't have any friends. I had to figure out everything for myself. Even when I was at MIT, I had to learn from books. And um, so I learned to invent ways of overcoming that. And I did. And basically, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I've started, started a lot of companies. And typically, I build teams of contractors. I used to run companies with people spread around the whole world and ran them by teletype. That's how long it was ago. By teletype, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. You put okay. you're taking us to school here, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm around at MIT when it was just the instant when they're shifting from the room falls of IBM equipment to many computers, and in fact, I met the guys who started digital equipment. I was mentored by the first venture capitalist in the world, the dedicated venture capitalist. Um, I was there, you want something about the history of the way the industry is today? I can probably tell this is awesome. You know, I, I had a chance to sit in uh, because I was setting up the recording uh, for a conversation between a journalist and Leonard Kleinrock, who was out at UCLA developing the uh, the internet, if you will, at that time. So uh, when you when I hear what you're saying about your time at MIT, you were part of 
history, brother. I mean, there, there was things happening and, and you were a part of that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was interesting. The big discussion about computers then was whether you spelled computer, C-O-N-P-U-T-E-R, or the way we do now, or C-O-N-P-U-T-O-R. You remember the old World War II movies where they had a bunch of English ladies looking at screens, plotting, and so forth. Those are called computers. Or right, yeah, yeah, like a calculator. Yeah, that was a big yeah. <laughs> then it was analog versus digital. Um, and I helped my thesis advisor. Um, he invented optical character recognition along with a friend of mine, Jack Rabinow. Later, I met him, and we were counting holes in punch cards against punch card masks. I mean, that's how rudimentary it was. Um, I can't even fathom what that was like. And if we may, because we don't always have this opportunity, looking at the way things are now, was this, is does it still seem sci-fi when you were back then doing what you were doing with the punch cards, looking at it now? looking like a Blade Runner movie, you know, what is, what are your impressions of where we've come and are you, are you still able to see where we might be going because you've been there from the inception of it? Well, I can see some things that are very unlikely. My predictions have been pretty good. Um, The unlikely thing is you'll ever have self-driving cars. I've been uh, artificial intelligence wasn't called that, but I've been in artificial intelligence since my third year at MIT. So um, the sophistication of what they're trying to do is absurdly difficult. (laughs) The human brain has 200 billion neurons, which are connected by about 7 trillion interconnection so dense that my uh, uh, brain surgeon friends caught the felt works. It looks like a just dense felt. And if you think 200 billion, that's a quarter of the population of the whole world, except the cells in the brain are a hell of a lot more intimately connected. And each of the neurons works both as an analog and a digital computer. And memory is holographic. They're not going to do that in the car. I don't believe. That, that is the most sound argument I've ever heard against it, for sure. And it's <laughs> funny because, yeah, the way you look at it, no matter what it looks like now, you still have to be present, making sure you can hold on to the wheel at any given moment. Because, I mean, I can't even trust my phone to update properly, let alone, <laughs> let alone expecting cars to drive. So I, I 100%. Uh, hear you loud and clear. Now, let's talk about something that I have here in my notes. I, I, I want to say something though. It makes you wonder how we got to the moon on as <laughs> as as small of sophisticated stuff as less than a microwave. <laughs> it was it was an amazing endeavor. Yeah, that that could be managed with so many people doing so many inventive things concurrently 
is kind of mind blowing. Mm -hmm. um, and we do occasionally as a race do things really well. If we don't blow ourselves up this time, that would be very good. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching this uh, investigative journalist who created a documentary called Ancient Civilizations. I don't usually watch that, but it came on on my uh, streaming service. And uh, he was talking about how a lot of uh, archaeologists uh, don't want to verify certain things because it would uproot what we know as the beginning of civil civilized man, but then it goes on to show how there are some things that sort of show proof we might have destroyed technology that is that we believe we're the apex now, but we might have actually lost a civilization. Uh, there's well, I can evidence tell you to believe. a lot about that. I've been studying that for 40 years. It was called Atlantis. Yeah. And they, <laughs> and in fact, uh, 60 years ago, ever heard of Edgar Casey? Yes, a, the channeler, yeah. Channel. yeah. Yeah, he, and he said 60 years ago that a lot of the Atlanteans would be reincarnating now in an area that is precisely what is now Silicon Valley wow. 60 years ago. Um, we are. I'm writing a new book called Leaping Past Armageddon to a Paradise on Earth. And that's our choice right now. I have the technology to create a paradise on Earth. I also have the technology to leap past our incessantly more dangerous path we're on. But 12,600 years ago um, was when. Um, Atlantis submerged. There are geological records called the Holocene Glacial Epoch. And the sea level rose by over 200 feet. We are now in a position where if the, according to NOAA and the other climatology um, factors in the government, if the glaciers melt, sea level will rise by 230 to 250 feet. Same thing that happened then. The Noah flood in the Bible is the story of what happened to Atlantis. And do you know, the same story, more or less, can be found so far in over 500 different cultures around the world disparate cultures that had no quote-unquote yeah. internet wi-fi cellular <laughs> service yeah, right. well the atlanteans had atomic weapons the atlanteans uh tesla nikola nikola tesla was a reincarnation of the atlanteans and he invented or reinvented wireless energy transmission in 1890 was it 1899, um, and he demonstrated that he had a lab in Colorado Springs, and he had light bulbs not connected to anything around this place, and he's transmitting energy. And one of the robber barons, <clears throat> it wasn't Rockefeller, it was one of the others, I don't remember its name, his name was going to pay 
support economically a large-scale test of Tesla's technology. And unfortunately, said rubber baron went bust. Uh, he had, couldn't put up the money. Um, he did some outlandish things, kind of like uh, Elon Musk is trying to do now. Elon Musk's fortune is down by 50% so far. We'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, that's funny. He would be the closest person to what what uh, Nikolai Tesla was doing. And somehow they always find their way into a situation where it gets in the way of the work they were doing. And I see here your mission is to save the world. And hearing the things that you're talking about, I, I believe it. And you have the background to prove it. I feel as if I'm speaking to a contemporary, and and this might be accurate, of like Noam Chomsky, you know, and just there's a level of intellectualism that's that's clear. Uh, so what is the most important thing people who are listening right now should know about what you're working on? Well, it's going to take a four-step process to save the world. And... I can tell you the four steps. Um, the first step is making your own life a paradise on earth. Of course, that leads back to my new book, Make Your Life a Ten on Amazon. But it's a step-by-step how to do that. I have trained over 100,000 people in that skill. And uh, in my online trainings, they have 100% first-try success rate in achieving what they at the outset said is impossible. Um, so first step is make your own life a paradise on earth. You get enough people doing that, they will unconsciously radiate that field of energy and more people catch on. So the second one is spreading the word. Oh yeah, I turned my life around. It is a paradise on earth. Third step is what I call awakening. Um, the unconscious mind is made up of functional units I call subpersonalities. And at the root of each of the subpersonalities job is a spiritual source, meaning loving, uh, acceptance, joy, and so forth. I don't mean religious at all. I mean, those things, if you take the best happiest, most joyful time of your life. That was when spirit was fully coming through you. And um, I have a process where you can get to that point, build an unconscious team of subpersonalities that express that energy. And then psychically, you implant that into people like Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping and so forth to awake them to their spiritual nature. And then I have another process called psychic negotiation, where you start with a imaginary experience of what would be a perfect 10 for you. Like for me, it'd be peace in Ukraine, um, each of the leaders of the world in harmony with each other, an equitable distribution of abundance and uh, opening up of logistics and so on. So you start out with what would be 10 for you, and then you negotiate with Putin and with Xi 
Xi Jinping and so forth until you get a shared vision, which you can do psychically in about a minute. I did all 15 of these world leaders uh, the other night, and it took me 15 minutes, the whole thing. So that's the technology, and I'll be writing a book about that. It just takes people to do it. Right, you under, with the same underlying principles as uh, something like what Edgar Casey was doing when he was working with the government to identify the locations of individuals and things of that nature. It's there's this entire unified field, if you will, uh, that a lot of scientists, you know, say, yeah, it's kind of hard to ignore that. There's definitely something going on with the interconnectedness, and uh, we were just talking earlier to somebody about the uh, the. I think it was the split neuron uh, theory. Well, there was the 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 act of observing the the particle uh, traveling changed what happened and all that. There's so much evidence there. Yeah, quantum theory. Yes, the quantum theory, and yet we hear it everywhere. We see it everywhere, and yet there is still such a lack of uh, of acceptance of what is come to be an undeniable truth. And it's like you said, we look at people. Just our conversation earlier so far. When we're talking about notables like Nikolai Tesla, right? When we look at uh, the happiest moments in our lives and how time seems to expand, triple its its usual length, and we're like, "Wow, how much happened?" And it feels like you know, time flew and this and that. And so, we could go on listing all the evidence that corroborates this, but at the end of the day, like you said, until people make their life a ten, only then can they become true vessels and 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 true true uh, magnification uh, channels for that to then take place and continue to amplify the signals that uh, you yourself are channeling with the work that you're doing. And this goes as far back as like, what I love about this, this entire conversation and not to be too uh, long toothed here, but what I love about this conversation is your background is in technology, right? And and your contemporaries and the work that you did at IBM. And yet, Unlike most people who may jump on a podcast and they've done yoga their whole life and they believe in the spirituality and, you know, it's, it's hard to hear the conversation when you hear only that side of the angle, even if they may be onto something, because they're like, you know, you've done yoga most of your life and you, you dance to music and travel and live in a van, but here you are, you know, quite aptly so you have an incredibly successful professional career and yet you yourself like many investigative journalists who've tried to talk about Atlantis and all and all the other stories we read with Nikolai Tesla you're saying look this is real stuff you know it is real stuff but let me give you the other side of me um approximately how long ago was it 40 years ago I had near-death experience I was clinically dead for eight minutes according to doctors in the emergency in the ICU. I met God, classic. I was given a choice of coming back to finish what I came this lifetime to do or of staying in that much better place. I chose to come back. And what I'm doing now and what I was describing to you is what I took on for this lifetime. And all of the work I've done I'm 84 now. So all the work I've done to this point has been preparatory for what I'm embarking on now. 
84 and you're just getting started, man. I love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, they tell me I'm going to make to 124. We'll see about that. I've had six chances to die this lifetime so far. Oh, I have a uh, Brenner doctor who says, watch out, you only got three more. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> liking you to a cat now, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Before I go any further, I want to give Jason a chance to weigh in on some of the things he's heard because I can only imagine what's going yeah. through his mind. No, it's it's interesting. And I was having this conversation. We were having this con- I don't know who I was talking. This was a couple weeks ago. You know, talking about awareness and change and all this, that, and the other, right? And the problem is, is everybody likes to talk, 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 right? But the problem is is there's just not enough people that are willing to take enough action, right? It's not that we don't have this shit figured out at this point, right? I mean, we do to a certain degree have some of this stuff figured out. And if we just take a little bit of action step here and there, right? But the thing is, everybody has to do it. It can't just be... No, it's not that many. You know, it's interesting. Um the guy who called himself the Maharishi Mahesh Yoga, who started TM, mm. he actually took the old Indian yoga spiritual thing and translated to Western term, called it Transcendental Meditation. And you're probably aware of the experiment he ran with creating peace. He got, and I don't know where he got it from, probably the same place I got my stuff. He got the knowing that if you took square root of 1% of the people in the world meditating spiritually together, it would have a peaceful effect on the world. So he got the 8,100 TM meditators together in Iowa, Fairfield, Iowa, where they have a university. And they meditated together there was a bottom body of people tracking, uh, what did they call it? The World Conflict Index. And it ran from minus three, which would be ultimate harmony, up to plus five, which was fratricidal to self-destruction. The world in certain places like Serbia and so on, was up around four, plus four. During the period of time that they did this, the International Conflict Index went down to minus two, which is pretty good peace. As soon as they stopped, it went right back up. And um, it's interesting, that was 8,100 people impacting at the time 5 billion people. So it doesn't take everybody. It just takes a small number, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 people. And um, you remember when John Kennedy was assassinated? I remember I was running a construction project out in the mud in November in Washington, D.C., snow mud. And somebody said, Kennedy's been assassinated. And it was like a thunderbolt came down. Um, 
And everybody I knew was in deep mourning because of that. Now, mourning is simply expressing love for somebody who is no longer physically present. So, in fact, they're expressing love. He was, of course, Kennedy was succeeded by Johnson. Johnson was a rabid racist. Um, I could show you quotes from him that are hair-raising. And in five days of this pervasive field of loving, he turned into the greatest advocate for racial harmony since Abraham Lincoln. Five days. That's all it took in that pervasive loving field. Of course, it died off, and he went back to his original personality, which got, in, got us into Vietnam. But it is possible to awaken that same loving energy in the leaders of the world and to lead them into making changes like the civil rights legislation that will survive their physical presence. So not everybody, but I agree, getting even a small number of people is a challenge. This is such a fascinating conversation. I mean, I, I could go on forever asking you about your thoughts on how that very thing uh, that we just covered uh, is then overlaid and interrupted by social media and what that's doing to the general consciousness of many people interrupting any constant flow of thought whatsoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's got to have a dramatic impact because now there's no long-term thinking. I mean, the attention spans of everyone is down to a TikTok video, which is about 10 seconds at the, at the least. <laughs> So we're running around with a bunch of goldfish on this planet and no sense of meditation, even though we have more meditation apps and more meditation moments possible. I mean, my watch reminds me every other hour, take a deep breath. I'm like, I'll do it later. (laughs) I'm I'm getting back to what I'm doing. So there's got to be something, some consequence to that. Well, sure there is. Um, But it's not new that there are disturbing things of that sort. We've been in my lifetime through the Second World War where uh, atomic weapons were invented and they were supposed to prevent any more wars. You probably didn't hear that one. Um, I remember one morning coming down and seeing the newspaper on Sunday, Korean War. We just keep repeating it. and. It isn't as much, in my opinion, the short time span, because think about it for a minute. You're working on something. (laughs) Bless you. You're working on something that seems impossible. You can't figure out how to do it. And suddenly getting a ha like that, and the solution is obvious. In fact, it only takes a few seconds or less. I have a process I teach that gets it down to five minutes, but the aha is very fast. So kids learning to, if they learn to pay attention for those five seconds, 
that'd be okay. But what they're paying attention to is the most, how can I call it, negative things around. And that's what social media is promoting. Um, I read a study of how uh, Facebook and so forth are promoting anorexia in young mm. girls. It's just all over the news the other day. Yeah, and um, so I think that governments are supposed to protect their population. Our government is not protecting. There's more and more of this terribly destructive stuff flowing around on social media. And Elon Musk is now worsening the situation. I had really held him up in high esteem until he got on this Twitter kick. Um, now I think um, it would be nice if somebody put him in a rubber room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, brother, you said it. Um, there's so many things that, that you're talking about that I know people can go deeper on by uh, getting in touch with you, checking out the books that you've that you've put out um, from Make Your Life a 10, uh, co-authoring Eye to Eye, uh, how to get lots of money for anything fast. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at this, you know, a trainer, coach developer of the cybernetic transposition. I mean, the list goes on. So before before we get people to know where to get a hold of you, I just want to give a shout out to one of our supporters that even made this conversation possible so far. So if you bear with me, uh, I'd like to thank Kelly Gordon of Cyberpreneur Inferno for uh, being a supporter of the show. And essentially, if you're interested in what Cyberpreneur Inferno is, and you've ever thought to yourself, I'm going to start an agency, and it's going to be more money for me and more freedom. And then you found out that you got both of less, uh, less of both, I mean, well, Kelly Gordon has put together an entire cohort of people of like 100 other digital agency owners to help keep you on track, give you the tools, accountability, and everything you'll need, strategies, you name it, what technologies to use. And all you have to do to get 15% off of that is go to get.cyberpreneurinferno.com forward slash 4x4 method, and they'll take care of you. Roll out the red carpet for you. With that said, Stuart, if people want to get a hold of you or connect with you uh, let's say, take a look at your books. Is there a website? Are you active on any social channels? What should people know about you? I'm on LinkedIn. Just look up Stuart Lichtman, L-I-C-H-T-M-A-N, S-T-U-A-R-T. I have a website that has some commentary by me, some free books and so on, called stuartlichtman.com. Um, you can go to Amazon and buy my new book, Make Your Life a 10, which is a literal statement of what it teaches you to do. And I think it's also a very interesting book. Um, I have trainings and so on. And you can find all of, out about all of that if anyone wants, wants to on stuartlickman.com. Amazing. So if you go to Amazon, Stuart Lickman, or 
Make Your Life a 10, you find them in their book. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Uh, about your sponsor, can I say something? Sure. It sounds like a tremendous resource. Here is what I, I have mentored over 500 entrepreneurs into successfulness. And here's a very important entrepreneurial trick that I think might be a way of using that tremendous resource. You meet with entrepreneurs, successful or unsuccessful, and you ask them two questions. You first explain your venture briefly, and then you say, what are the things I have to do, absolutely have to do in this venture to become successful? You write them down religiously. Doesn't matter whether you agree or not. Write them down before you ask. Then second question is, what do I absolutely have to avoid in this venture to avoid failing? And you write it down. And let me tell you, that'll save you years of agony. Just those simple questions. I love it. I mean, you've I'm, done nothing I'm, but deliver I'm value. Feel that. Yeah, (laughs) you've done nothing but deliver tremendous value, uh, and uh, I'm grateful that. I mean, if if we're going by by the by the story so far that we've heard, you chose to come back, you know, and I can feel the service in you. Uh, So I'm very grateful that we had this opportunity to chat. Um, I'm going to be heading over into the last and final question before I do. I want to check in with Jason if that's all right. So. Uh, Stuart, we close things out uh, by asking if you could have invited anyone to be a part of this conversation today and you had your pick, any point, place, time in the world, who would you have loved to have had here and why them? Richard Branson. He's a terrific entrepreneur. I followed his life story uh, and he is with Bill Gates, the co-developer of the Giving Pledge whereby billionaires promise to give half of their fortunes to the betterment of mankind. I think that's a really impressive thing, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. And, There's no higher calling. <laughs> yeah. So, And also, Richard Branson is a fabulous entrepreneur and mentor of entrepreneurs. If there's one strong theme throughout this entire conversation we've had today is the ability to learn and the ability to teach and to do both as much as possible while we're still here. And uh, I, I think there's no greater reminder than be, than listening back to this conversation and just hearing the sincerity and everything that you said and shared with us today. So it's meant a lot for me to have the chance, the privilege to converse with you. Um, and you know what? It'll be around until 120, right? So uh, let's let, let's make sure it's not the last one. We'll have to pick it back up for an episode two with your next book. <laughs> I look forward to it. We'll we'll pick it up when you're 110. <laughs> hey, there it is. There you go. There it is. Uh, so it's tradition here for Jason to close us out. So I'll let him do that. But man, it's been a yeah. pleasure. Yeah, totally. Pleasure very, very, very like. Uh, I'm not sure what the word is, and I'm never like short of something to say usually. Um, enlightening, I guess, right? Of 
of the things that you've done in your life, it reminds me very much of, you remind me a lot of one of my mentors he lives next door to me. He's 81 years old and he's done a lot in his life. And every Monday we watch football, drink a scotch, smoke a cigar, and he vomits life on me. And I got to tell you what, I take it all in every bit of it, all of it. And I don't leave any of it behind because that's terrific. It's so important that generations pass all this information. And it's sad that a lot of people don't pay attention. Well, I will tell you right now, I'm paying attention. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm honored by that. And uh, I would say in terms of football, I think this is absolutely the best uh, NFL season I have ever seen. (laughs) My gosh, there are all these cliffhanger games. Yeah, Uh, there are a lot of them. It's amazing. Me and, me, me and my neighbor, we just go back and forth because he we bet 20 cents on each game. So <laughs> so every week we just give 20 cents back to each other because it's, it's, it's all in fun anyway. And he didn't tell us. Here's the funny part. His son called one day and he his son goes, or he tells his son, Man, I don't know if I, I'm gonna be able to eat this week because I lost money on this game. And his son goes, Dad, you really shouldn't bet any more than you can spend. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm expecting when his son comes here that in January, he's going to be like, you son of a bitch, taking advantage of my my dad. (laughs) And you'll Uh, say, no, no, I'll give him back the 20 cents. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's another huge wealth of knowledge. He's uh, He was one of the CEOs of Oracle back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, man, just amazing. It's just amazing to get to, you know, have all this institutional knowledge dumped in 42 minutes. I mean, where the hell else do you get 42 minutes of dump? Quality <laughs> yeah. <amazing>. dump. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like what you're doing. Keep it up. All right. Well, thanks for being here, my friend. It was great having you. Thank you, Stuart. Great meeting both of you. Be well. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.